You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast. This is the podcast I designed to help you thrive in your relationship, even if you're at the point of saving your relationship. And today, I want to start a an extended kind of conversation, um, and uh, not necessarily a series, but just some thinking about what do you do? Because many times people come to my program in the midst of a, cri- midst of a crisis, and that crisis sometimes fairly quickly uh, switches. And so when I've been asking for questions uh, from people, um, they've been submitting a lot of questions about what do you do kind of when the initial crisis is over? You know, maybe a spouse has decided not to file any legal documents for divorce, not to separate, not to move out, maybe even move back into the bedroom, move back into the house. You know, things are kind of becoming um, a little less crisis oriented. They're not desperately working to save the relationship. The problem is what comes next, right? Uh, Because part of my desire is not to just have you stop your divorce, but to save your marriage and bring it back to where you want it to be, to restore it. So many times we talk about the crisis because that really is what motivates many people uh, to take action. And you have to stop the crisis before you can do anything else. It's kind of like physical first aid, right? If you come on the scene of somebody who's at, at an accident, uh, there are steps you want to do to make sure that you know you have them at a place where they can survive that situation long enough to get more help, long enough to heal. And That's the thing that I kind of realized years ago in the medical world is one of the things that the doctors are really trying to do is get, get you through the crisis so that your body can heal. But there are a couple of things that can happen in this process. So you get to the crisis and it passes, but sometimes the crisis becomes chronic. And I've talked about this, the difference between crisis and chronic problems in your relationship And many times people think they're in a crisis when all they're doing is seeing kind of the chronic and suddenly they're aware of that. The spouse says, again, I'm not happy. They hear that as a crisis, but they've been in a chronic problem for many times, for many years sometimes. And so there are two kind of paths out of this. And they're not paths that mean that if you go down one, you can't ever get to the other. But there are two immediate paths out of a crisis. One is to move from crisis to chronic. The other is to move from crisis to thriving. And there are many times when I'll watch a couple kind of go from crisis to chronic to thriving. Every now and then I see a a couple that has been thriving for a long time, but then suddenly something comes along and they either go to a chronic phase of disconnection or a crisis phase, even after they've been thriving. So these aren't independent paths that mean that once you get on one, you'll never you know, get to the other. It's, it's not like you're coming to the base of the mountain and you have to go left or right and you'll never see the other side again. You, this is a continual process. As I've said to many people, you know, deciding to end a marriage is a, it's a one day event. You know, you, I mean, it can take a long time to do it, but it's a decision point. You, you say, OK, I'm done with this. Right. I'm done with this. But staying married 
is a daily task of saying, I continue to be committed to this. I continue to work on this. And that kind of raises the question of what do you do? So let's say that you have gotten to the place where the crisis for whatever it was has passed, the divorce, the separation, whatever was averted. And probably along that path, you've made some changes, right? And you've managed to make some connection and maybe you've even begun to build a new path. And if you recognize that, we just talked about the three C's of connect, change, and create. And, and so a lot of times people go, oh, okay, I'm, I've done that. Now I, I'm done with Lee's stuff. So let me just kind of give you <laughs> a little preview of where we're going with this. Many times people think that what I've described is just a way of dealing with a crisis. But in reality, when I started all of this, I was really working from the question of how do people thrive in a relationship and how they thrive ended up being how you work through a crisis because thriving couples connect. Thriving couples change. Thriving couples are constantly creating that new path for their relationship. They're finding new ways of moving forward. They're doing that just kind of as built-in pieces to their relationship. And so when I realized this pattern, I started noticing that if you just go back and work on those missing pieces of connecting because you probably have become disconnected, changing because you probably stagnated, creating a new path because the old path you were on got you to right here, got you to crisis. And so you have to do those pieces to get out of the crisis. You just don't stop doing them. And so rule one of what do you do about the next phase is you keep doing the three C's. There are other ways of continuing to connect. There are other places for you to change in your life, to to try a little self-expansion, maybe in other areas, right? And there's always a new path to be built. As, As new things come along, you create that new path. And so as you face these new places along the way, you know, as you move through life, the new path of the two of us, the we, continues to unfold. Now, let's talk about why people have been writing me and telling me that they, you know, they're thankful that they are no longer in crisis, but now they're not sure what to do. And here are kind of the signs that people repeatedly tell me of how they know that they're like, you kind of stuck. And and that's really where people write. They're like, okay, you know, crisis averted, but now we're just stagnated here, right? We're chronic. That's the kind of the definition there. So one of them is they're looking at the lack of physical connection. Sometimes it's no physical connection whatsoever. The people uh, are still, you know, kind of like there's a um, force field between them, keeping them apart. Sometimes there is some connection. There may be hugs and kisses on uh, arrivals and departures. There may be, you know, even holding hands as you're walking or patting each other or something like that, but maybe no sex, right? And so there are different levels of what they mean by this lack of physical connection. But that's often one of the, the symptoms that people uh, tell me is going on. Another is they realize that things go well and then suddenly one or the other feels triggered by something. And maybe it's by some past event. Maybe it's the, the triggering is you're not even sure what happened. You just went from getting along and everything's peaceful and all of a sudden there's this weird fight that happens and you don't know where it's from. And that 
is seen as one of these symptoms that we're, we're stuck in this limbo, as some people say, chronic phase, as some people say, stuck phase, purgatory. I mean, I've heard people say it many different ways and, and, and write in with many different descriptions of it. And so um, they often see that piece as, as what's happening. There's, they're feeling triggered. They're not having the physical contact that they want. Maybe even it's a lack of, of trust that even after this long, maybe there's something and, and it doesn't have to be trust like I trust you not to have an affair. It may be I don't trust you with my emotions. Right. And so trust is a is a multi featured, multifaceted fact of life. And sometimes we reduce it to trust or not trust. As I've said to many people, when they've come to me, they're like, you know, I don't trust my spouse. And, and my thing is. In, in, in particular, where? I mean, you don't trust your spouse, for instance, to keep you safe physically or to keep you safe emotionally or to um, stay loyal to the relationship or to not talk to other people about your relationship. I mean, they're just different layers to that what they do with their money. I mean, their trust is a, um, a wider idea, I think, than just trust or not trust. It's, it's not as a polarity of off or on, but that's what people often say is my spouse still doesn't trust me. So they make some mistakes along the way. Um, and there are several that I see as very common mistakes. One is they just downshift to their prior behavior, right? When there's a crisis, it's easy to kind of step up. And this is true everywhere in life, right? The doctor says, hey, if you don't change your eating habits, if you don't start exercising, this is going to happen, whatever it is, diabetes or high blood pressure or stroke or heart attack or, or whatever they name. And so you go, oh, my gosh, I've got to change. And so you jump in or people jump in to exercise routines and they change their diet. And, and, and then over time, the fear of that kind of fades away as fear usually does and they kind of go back to what is typical of them because they didn't actually make a true change well the same is true in relationships and so you may think that you're changed you you may have been very intentional about things but as soon as you're not intentional you begin to act the same way you, you used to and it's human nature but the problem is that all that signals to the other person is nothing's changed. I thought something had changed, but nothing has changed, so I've got to be a little more careful. So you talked me out of separation, divorce, whatever, but here we are right back again, right? Another mistake is that people have a mental time clock. How long should this take, right? And, and people often ask me that question, how long should I give this? And uh, it's interesting to me to have watched over these years the different levels that people will attribute to that. Some will say, hey, you know what? I've put in a good effort. It's been a week, <laughs> a, a week. And then I hear people say, you know, I think I still have more effort to give. It's been five years or six years or eight years or 10 years. And so that whatever it is, there's this mental time clock that you have in your head as this is how long it should take. That's always a dangerous word that should word because it's from some external reference point so when people say how long should it take my response is how long are you willing to give it because that's on you 
right? You've got to decide how long you're willing to give this. And so when people say, you know, it's been six months, we're kind of at a better place, but we still haven't had sex or haven't been physical with each other. So I guess it's a lost cause. I mean, it is if you decide it is. But I want you to notice that often what that's doing is using that lack of physical connection as your measurement, not all the other things around you, but that one thing. So the mental time clock is another mistake people make. Another one is that uh, people end up not talking about their future path, not talking about the relationship. So let me just clarify something that I'm often misquoted on. I don't say to never talk about the relationship. What I say is don't have the relationship talk. So if your spouse says, hey, we need to talk about what's going on, you need to be listening. At some point, you need to say, hey, you know, tell me how I could help our relationship. What could I do to, make, to improve things? That's a great question for this stuck phase, the next phase. It's a great thing. What can I do to help? And sometimes people even say, hey, how would you rate our relationship? You know, one to ten. And whatever the spouse says, you can say, okay, well, what could I do to make it one or two points better? What, what could I do to improve it a little bit, right? Great question for this phase, as opposed to the relationship talk, where in your mind you rehearse all the arguments about why things should and could turn around, why your spouse needs to be acting differently, and, and basically here's what you need to do. It's kind of the subtext of it. That's the relationship talk, and the reason it's a problem is because your spouse has an equivalent talk but different talking points going on in their head, right? And so it's kind of like going on on the set of a, a play or a movie where each person on stage has a different script they're reading from and they can't figure out why nothing is fitting. It's because you're, have, you're trying to have the relationship talk. Talking about the relationship, often very important. But, and here's the danger, when you're talking about the relationship, you may not be relating. We easily switch into therapy mode in our culture. And we also end up switching to blame mode in our culture where we're thinking that, you know, we need to fix each other. The problem with therapy, I mean, there are problems, lots of problems with therapy, as you probably heard me talk about, but there are the, one of the big problems with therapy is when you try to do it with your spouse without a therapist present. And I watch it all the time when they psychoanalyze each other and their relationship and, and, and it just doesn't get them anywhere. So if you're doing that, stop. There's no benefit to that. There's often not one if the therapist is present, but there absolutely is not going to be one without you know, any help along the way. So you absolutely should be talking about the future path for you. The other mistake I see is the same one I see in the midst of a crisis, which is reading tea leaves, looking at what your spouse is doing and extrapolating what you believe that means to be the case. Reading tea leaves, very dangerous. I've, I've warned people, I feel like on a daily basis, I'm saying to someone somewhere, hey, you're reading tea leaves, don't do that. It just doesn't help. And, and so reading tea leaves, I want you to kind of go back, that lacks of physical connection, what does that mean, tea leaves? That feeling triggered, what is that about? You're reading tea leaves. Lack of trust, tea leaves. Mental time clock, tea leaves, right? So we're seeing tea leaves just all over the place and they're swirling around and you're trying to read them and it's not going to be accurate. 
And so this is the problem that we have um, is that many times people kind of get stuck in these mistakes. And here is a big one. All of those indicate your focus. Where is your focus? Many times people are focusing on the negative aspects, not the positive. And so it's very interesting when people say, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, tell me, tell me how things have changed. And they'll, they'll go, oh, it's great about this and 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 this, but this, right? Where's your focus? You're caught in the, but this, by the way, that's reading tea leaves, but it indicates something about how we get stuck in the crisis mode of looking for the continual crisis. Where is your focus? On all the positive things? Or on that negative? If your focus is on the positive things, they tend to expand. If your focus is on the negative, it also tends to expand. So be careful where your focus is. Which brings us to, so what do you do? Well, I already named one of them. Remember the three C's? It's not just for a crisis. The three C's of how do you connect and people say, well, I've been doing that. Okay, connect more. Connect differently. Connect more deeply, right? Physical connection is often the last connection that comes back on um, kind of on the circuit um, as you're, you're rebuilding and healing from the connection. The physical one is the last one because it can often feel the most uh, dangerous, the most at risk. And it is the most primitive level of connection we have. And so it makes sense that it would feel most threatening to go back to that. The verbal stuff, often you can talk about what's meaningful to you, what's significant to you. That's your spiritual connection. Support each other, be with each other, support each other's decisions and, and hard times. That's the emotional connection, right? I get you, you get me, I support you, you support me. That's doing, going great. You're talking about what's important to you, spiritual connection. But physical connection can be the last one to come back online. So just be aware of that. But that doesn't mean that you don't spend the time connecting with your spouse and changing yourself and continuing to create a new path. So what is that new path? Well, I think there comes a point when if we really want to kind of upgrade our relationship, we start looking at our legacy relating. What is the relationship, the long-term relationship we're doing? And it comes in a, a, a several different ways. Um, sometimes the legacy relating is asking the question, you know, what kind of model are we leaving behind? What are we teaching our kids? How do we want to teach our kids about committed relationships and, and, and having something that matters? So that's a legacy piece. But legacy is also um, kind of asking the question, what, what, seriously, what are we going to leave behind? Not just in terms of the model of our relationship, but of our life. You know, what are we leaving behind? Where are we spending our time and our energy? Are we leaving the world in a better place than we found it? That to me is the question of this day in history, this time in history. Because I mean, I think a lot of times people don't want to leave it better than they found it. They want to get back to something that they think is threatened or they want to kind of um, get what works for them. One of the things that I realized long ago is my time here on this planet is, is short. And so the question I have to have is what mark do I leave? Not what am I going to get out of this, but what do I put into this? How can I make a difference? And what, think of the power if a couple says that. 
I think this has something to do with what I've called relational trajectory. Relational trajectory is where is the arc of your relationship headed to? Where do we want it to head to? Is it just going to kind of default to wandering through? Or actually, are we choosing a trajectory that allows us to unite our joint meaning and purpose in all of life? Because one of the things that happens is when our relational trajectory matches with the other person's, we become A, much more powerful because we're now a team working on that, and B, much more connected because we're working as a team on that. And so a question of, you know, what, what do we want to leave behind? What legacy is it we're going to leave behind when we're not here? It's very important, and it's particularly important because many people hit this crisis somewhere in the um, middle of their adulthood, not middle of life. You know, it's interesting when we talk about midlife. Now, I had this guy who came to me and said, well, I think I've hit midlife crisis. And I said, yeah, what do you mean by that? And he said, you know, I'm halfway through life and I just don't know what's left. I'm like halfway through life. He, he's my age. He, he's 56. And I said, are you thinking you're going to be around to 112? And so what is true is he's kind of midway through his adult, you know, after college and before he dies, that period of time when we have some capacity of of really doing some different things. Yes, halfway through there. Halfway through life, most people have passed that when the crisis hits. So we have to be thinking, what is our relational legacy about? What's our relational trajectory going to include? And so one of the things that I suggest for people is they begin to have conversations about their life plan. What's the life plan we want to build? Not what is your life plan versus mine, but how do we find a life plan that fits for both of us? Powerful, powerful thing to do to sit down and have that life plan and life list. What do you want to experience? What do I want to experience? What do we want to do in life? Right? The life list that we can build together. I've talked about that other places. So it's just basically a let's figure out how to really be focused on making sure that we're doing in life what we want to do in life. Now, the last thing I want to say at this point is to remember that no relationship is perfect. And sometimes I think that when we're in a crisis, we create in our mind this idea of what would be perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but you can make a lot of difference by perfecting. And this is true not just in marriage, but every level of life. When I meet people who um, are upset that things aren't perfect, I wonder why they're not focused on just spending their time perfecting. If you take on some craft in life, you're never going to be perfect at it. There's always going to be someone who's better in some aspect of it, but you can be perfecting what you're doing. You can try to be getting better at it. When I was in jujitsu, the people who were at the top of their game They knew they weren't perfect, but they were perfecting their art. We can do that in in life, and we can certainly do that in our relationship by asking the question, this isn't a perfect relationship. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's accepting reality. So how can we work on perfecting things? All right, this is kind of the starting point of this conversation, not the end point, just like it's not the end point of your process to get through the crisis. It's not the end point of our conversation about how to shift away from the chronic and get to the thriving. And if you haven't even gotten started on this path, 
great way of doing it is to join me at Save the Marriage. At savethemarriage.com, you can find my system, my program to do that. Uh, If you have other areas where you're trying to thrive in life, please check out my books on thriving uh, that may help you in in exactly what we've been talking about here. You can find that at savethemarriage.com slash books. That's savethemarriage.com slash books. And this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save and improve and create a thriving marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.